What is at your core? We hear fitness instructors and motivational speakers talk about your core, but what does it really mean? It is our center, what keeps us focused or balanced. I've heard fitness instructors tell people they need to strengthen their core. Now they're talking about the physical core of your body because when it is strong, it helps the rest of your body be strong. If your core is weak, you can't be at your best because it's your center. Let's think about a spiritual core and how is that different than our physical core? I think of a spiritual core as what do you allow to drive you? What is your focus as you make decisions, talk to others, raise your children, decide what television shows to watch or books to read? So I guess another way to look at this is to ask what is driving you or better yet, who is driving you? Have you ever met someone who can't make a decision on their own? The person that has to call their parent, spouse, friend, or maybe even sometimes ask a personal stranger to help them make a simple decision. It's a symptom of not knowing what or who your center is. I remember a young lady, I'll call her Renee, who was friends with one of my kids years ago. She could not decide what to order from a menu. I watched as confusion just washed over her and I could see her indecision written all over her face. Almost like stress entered her because she had a decision to make. Thankfully, my daughter recognized what was happening and jumped to her rescue. She asked Renee simple questions to help her arrive at a decision. So first she asked, would you prefer a sandwich or an entree? Then once that decision was made, would you prefer chicken or beef? And she went through giving her two choices until Renee had relaxed and focused and decided on what to order. The process took probably 10 or 15 minutes which is quite a bit longer than everybody else at the table needed to decide what to order for dinner. But I watched in amazement as my daughter took the lead and helped Renee make a decision. Now, since that time, I have seen my daughter take the lead in many situations, and those leadership skills have helped her grow in her job and move up in the management structure because of those skills as well as many others. Let's face it, my kids are all awesome. Aren't yours? Of course. Our kids are amazing. And I just, as I was sharing this, I just had to share that story. You know, watching someone lead another like that is amazing, but it also causes me to realize that who or what is guiding you is a really huge factor for us in life. We make so many decisions each and every day. And if we're relying on the wrong guide, it will turn into disaster. Look at Adam and Eve. Eve listened to the serpent, allowed him to lead her when she knew the truth was in God. 
Who do you allow to lead you in your decisions each day? Politicians? Man, not me. How about your favorite celebrities? No way. They stay in as much trouble as the politicians do. Sometimes they move from celebrity to politician. I guess those are the double trouble. I don't know. Um, But in all seriousness, as lovers of Jesus, we should have him at the center of our decision making, at the center of everything. He shouldn't just be at our core. He should be our core. We should be making him the very center and core of everything we do. In Romans 14:23, the word tells us, but whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats because the eating is not from faith. For whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. So we must do everything with faith in him. And if you think about it, if we are to truly have faith in what we're doing, we need to be sure that we're doing the right things in God's eyes. What is His will for us? All of this goes back to realizing we need to put Jesus at the center of our lives. So He is always at the center of everything we do. When we try to fend for ourselves, we always end up messing things up. At least I do. Consider the story of a little boy who was wading in the middle of a river in water that was only maybe waist deep. There was a heavy rain in the area and water from the rain had begun to run off the fields into the river, which caused the water level to rise very quickly. Before the little boy could get to shore, The water was over his head and he wasn't able to swim. An older boy on shore saw that the little boy was in trouble and swam out to save him. Holding the little boy in one arm, he began trying to swim back to shore. But because the water was coming faster and faster and it was getting deeper and deeper, the older boy could not swim while holding on to the little boy. He needed both arms. So he took the hand of the little boy and told him, Hold on to my belt while I pull you to shore. It took all the older boy's strength to swim. And when he reached the shore and turned around to get the little boy, he was gone. The strong current had washed the little boy downstream and he had drowned. Praise God that my salvation, that your salvation, does not depend on our ability to hold on to God. But He promised us that He's strong enough to hold me securely in the palm of His hand. You know, we were drowning in sin, and He came to save us. He didn't say, you're going to have many trials in life, but hold on to me and I'll pull us through. No, he said, I'll carry you. I will hold you in the palm.
palm of my hand and no one can snatch you out of my hand. Oh, praise the Lord. But if we settle for just receiving the salvation that Jesus gives, we're really missing the best part. We can choose to have eternal life or we can choose to have abundant life. That brings us in so, it just brings in so many things when you think about abundant life. And it's going to be different for some people because of the different gifts that God has given us. You know, the gifts or callings. But many of those things will be the same, like peace, joy, love, strength, kindness, many, many more. But think about what, what would make your life abundant. Now, that's a huge word. Not just a good life or a great life, but an abundant life. The dictionary defines abundant as present in great quantity, over-sufficient, richly supplied, abounding. Think about even like abounding in faith. You know, one thing I want you to see is nowhere in that definition did it say perfect or rich with money or easy. Not only did God promise us that we would not have an easy life, He actually told us the opposite. He said, we're going to face trouble, but we would never be alone. He would always be with us. That right there, without anything else, is abundance, if we'll tap into it. But He gives us so much more. Can you imagine going to a college and, and spending the day going to classes, and the person in charge of the college, the president of the university, the one who has all the answers to all the tests, knows every professor and what each professor expects. This person in charge tells you, I want to go to every single class with you, help you study, because I know exactly what the professor's looking for. I'm actually going to help you recall the answers on the test. I'll teach you some tricks. Would you say, no thanks, I've got this, I don't need your help. You're going to teach me how to study better? I can handle it totally on my own. Just call me. not me. I would accept the offer. Please teach me how to study. I'd have him help me know what I needed to go over, how many times a day I needed to go over it. He would be helping guide me every step of the way. Because he knows what's going to be asked. If I'm going to tap into a man's strength, allow him to guide me totally in every decision I make about school and studying, then I want it to be someone that knows the answers. 
You know, we have a Creator, though, a Savior and a Lord, the Lord of all. And He does want to go with us every day and help us make decisions, guide us to the things of Him and away from what Satan is using to entice us to put God on a shelf, stick with making our own decisions. When I would make a mistake or a dumb move when I was in, in junior high, I can barely remember back that long. I remember a friend that would look at me and say, whenever I'd mess up, make a mistake, she'd look at me and say, so how's that working for you? It made me laugh every time because as stupid as it sounds, we can make a mess that we know is totally of our own doing and still go right back and do the same thing again. We never learn, do we? So how's that working for you? I can hear her saying it. So the next question is, how do I make Jesus the center of my life? So, okay, so you want to make him the center of your life. What, what does that look like? What are the steps? First, we have to trust Jesus every day for everything. Not just salvation, but deliverance for strength to give us comfort, to see to our needs to give us direction and forgive us. Philippians 4.19 says, And my God shall supply all your needs according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Mm. So when I depend on Him, I'm really saying I depend on Him totally, completely, reverently, that I put God first, nothing else but God. So here are a few steps to making Jesus the center of your life. Well, first, we have to make a total commitment. You can't hold anything back. You can say, God, you're in charge of everything I do, except, oh, there's this one little thing that, you know, I really think I should be the one. And then renew that commitment to God. Recognize, acknowledge that God needs to recognize that we have committed our lives to Him and that the decisions we make are about Him. He needs to know in our heart that that's what we're doing, that renewal. And then He will give us the Holy Spirit to help us stay in that Christ-centered life. We just have to tap into it. So, what if you make a mistake? Once you have Christ at the center. Well, first thing we have to do is confess our sin immediately. And then we have to 
yield to the Holy Spirit and give control back to Him as soon as possible without any hesitation or reservation. I think of the song, Jesus Take the Wheel. It's like, why, why are you taking it in the first place? We should never have even touched the wheel. Hey, God, Jesus, that is your wheel, and I wish you the best of luck with it, but it is yours. That's how we should be. But you know what? There is not a single person on this earth that has not grabbed up something because of the huge, vast numbers that pull away from God every day. I pray that you have God at your core, that He is your focus, that He is the one you depend on, that God comes first, and then your family, and then your career. This is a storm like I cannot imagine that is coming as Satan is working so hard and pitching such a fit to get a foothold in. So it's more important now than ever before to keep Jesus at the center, the core, the focus of your life and your decision making. If you'd like to hear more about Jesus, about tapping into Him and His strength, having Him at your core, please call me at area code 918-344-5656 or email me at laurythedisciple at gmail.com. That's laurythedisciple at gmail.com. And also, we have our website, whengodwhispers.com. You can tell us about your favorite verse and why it's your favorite verse. We'd love to hear your story. And if you have no Bible, please let me know. I have some New Testaments. I would love to mail you one. Everybody should have access to the Word of God. And many of the references that we make here are from the New Testament. You can also go to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash when God whispers my name. My name is Lori and I am a disciple of Jesus Christ.